It's fair to say in recent decades this peninsula has gone through its fair share, more than fair share of trauma. Not just the Korean War, the build-up to that under colonisation and, and of course the very challenging post-war years, but even in the 21st century, I think the profound impact of, for example, the 2014 Sewol Ferry disaster. And some of the recent tragedies that have produced bills at the National Assembly named after child victims, think the Minchik Bill, there has been a great degree of societal trauma for many of us to deal with, but of course, individual parents and family members as well. How do we approach trauma, though? When people are faced with traumatic stress, it can literally rearrange our brain's wiring specifically areas dedicated to pleasure, engagement, control and trust. We can welcome on the line Dr. Bessel van der Koek, who's made this part of his research, the founder of the Trauma Centre and Trauma Research Foundation in Boston, author of the groundbreaking New York Times science bestseller, The Body Keeps the Score. Thank you very much for joining us. Good day. Nice to be there. It almost reminds me, the title of your book, of kind of muscle memory, which we talk about, but it sounds fairly much like a euphemism. But but how does the body keep the score? Can you introduce that for us? Well, you know, the automatic response of people who are hurt and scared is to flee, to fight, or to shut down. And that is generated by our very primitive instincts in our brain, basically. Uh, so it has little to do with rationality or understanding. It's an automatic animal response. And even after it's over, our bodies tend to respond to triggers as if we are back in danger. How would you define trauma, by the way? Is it even objective? Trauma is it's not, it's an objective thing. Some things that are traumatic for some people may not be traumatic for other people. But it's something that basically overwhelms your capacity to cope by yourself. So if you have outside people to take care of you, to look after you, to nourish you back to health, it's much less likely that something is traumatic. The younger you are, the more at risk you are in a way. But it's something that overwhelms your central nervous system, basically. It's extremely common, huh? Right. So we, we brace ourselves against these things, even though a very large number of people have had experiences like this. Right. I mean, just to elaborate on that slightly, for example, yeah. someone might hear about a traumatic event in their neighborhood or even anywhere in the world, and it might actually guide their behavior. Like they, they might not want to go out after well, dark. Most traumas occur within the intimate relationships. We prefer to think, oh, it's done by foreigners, or strangers or people out there. But in fact, the most common source of trauma in kids are their own parents, and certainly for women, are their own intimate partners. Which is frightening in itself. Um, and your well, book... it's important to recognize that, huh? And, and your book does that. It uh, suggests that people subjected yeah, to trauma... Yeah, to recognize the reality of how hitting your kids and tyrannizing your own family has very serious effects, long-term effects, on the growth of mind and brain. And that's exactly where I wanted to ask you next, actually, on that subject, the the idea that uh, being subjected to trauma from someone in a position of power over you, especially for a prolonged period of time, your book suggests that's particularly damaging. And and it reminds me of the, right. the Me Too movement, uh, people describing abuse that happened to them decades ago, and they, they speak about it with raw emotions. 
Exactly. People tried to push it away. Nobody wants to remember it. Everybody likes to tell other people and themselves, get over it. It wasn't so bad. And so you try to minimize it. And then you find yourself reacting in irrational and upsetting ways later on. So you get frozen when somebody looks at you the wrong way. You get terrified when somebody touches you, even though you like the person who touches you. Uh, you get angry when somebody uh, is a little bit off. And so your body makes you react in ways that you don't like the way you react. So usually people feel, I am crazy, I'm irrational, there's something wrong with me. And you get a label, is sent to a doctor as being um, having a mental disorder. But in fact, many of these reactions are rooted in being triggered by old experiences. And what are they themselves rooted in? Is this uh, something to do with a psychological defense mechanism uh, gone wrong? Uh, not gone wrong, necessarily. No, actually, the way we like to think about it is that initially you had the right experience. Initially, your response was the right response for your body to freeze or to push it away. What goes wrong is that the, uh, your brain and your mind doesn't know that the past is over, so you continue to react to current experiences as if the old stuff is coming back. You write that telling the story is important. Without stories, memory becomes frozen, and without memory, you cannot imagine how things uh, can be different. Uh, I mean, what setting does that talking about it have to come? Does it matter? Yes, it's important to allow yourself to know what you know. So if your father was an alcoholic and a violent man, and now he's a weak old person, you say, oh, he's just a sad old man, and you push it away. But in fact, when you were a little kid, the same man who is now so weak uh, may have been a very scary person, and that now makes you scared of your kids or your spouse or your boss. And so you don't like to feel that way. But PTSD, trauma, is really, in a way, a disorder that your mind has been unable to allow yourself to know this happened back then, but it's not happening right now. What about for people who are victims of trauma? whether they recognize it or not, and who may be fairly stubborn about it or very sort of stiff upper lip about it and say, well, look, everybody has problems in their life and I'd rather just let the past be the past. Is that um, always damaging? No, in many ways it's adaptive. You know, I like to think about both Korea and Japan in the aftermath of the Second World War. These are terribly damaged countries and... Nobody talked about the horrors that were inflicted on them, and they became workaholics. They worked and worked and worked. They weren't very good in intimate relationships. They weren't very good in being tender with each other. But that workaholic adaptation to your trauma may have been very useful. So sometimes it can be very helpful to just push it away and to go on as if nothing happened. But you pay a price for it. And the price you can pay for it is that there is no kindness, no gentleness. You get are scared much of the time, that you're angry much of the time. And so you are one unhappy person who is likely to become ill, who's likely to die early. But it's an adaptive way of, of coping with trauma. I mentioned the Me Too 
movement before, when we think of Korea's history, the, the awful mm. situation around women forced into sexual slavery, we euphemistically use yeah. the term comfort women, but they came out sometimes right. decades later with their story, just like with the Me Too movement, some victims coming out decades later, they finally right. Right. overcame the, the shame and the challenge in doing so. But the problem is, yeah. people who don't understand that trauma, they, they say, well, they, they must be lying, otherwise how could they have held on to this for so long? What, what would you say to those people who are sceptical? Well, my reaction to those women is like, wow, what courage. And I agree, oh, wow, but there are sceptics. And to, well, <laughs> let the sceptics listen to the courage that victims sometimes have to come out of the shadow and say, this happened to me, and to stand up for themselves. And I think it's a very important part of overcoming your trauma is to say, this actually happened to me. I'd like to ask your advice then. If you were talking to someone today who had gone through that experience, what do you say to mm. them? Well, you don't say very much. You give them experiences of safety. You make their bodies feel safe. You breathe with them. Basically, the treatment of traumatic stress is to help people's brains to be fully alive for the present. So you help them to engage in things and activities and relationships that make them feel alive and that make them feel safe. Now, you and I intellectually know that when you get in your car, you may get into an accident, but we tend to ignore that. But once you have seen somebody getting killed uh, while you were driving and you were, it was your fault, that memory is going to affect your driving. And in a way, the treatment is to help you to realize that was a one-time incident that happened then. It's not happening right now. And that means dealing with the body and the body's reactions. Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, author of The Body Keeps the Score, founder of the Trauma Center and Trauma Research Foundation in Boston. Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck in your efforts to, uh, to bring Thank you very much. peace to many others. Thank you for talking to me. Pleasure. Pleasure here too.